Good evening, America, and good afternoon, Australia. Welcome back to Radio Tony, and this is the next in a series of very special shows with my wonderful friend, Michelle Slay. And for those of you listening online, on Facebook, LinkedIn, YouTube, and Twitch, Teo from the Philippines is listening in to grab your comments, answer your questions, and forward you any links. Just a reminder that this show will be talking about powerful subjects and I want you to reach out and talk to someone if you need to at any stage. We also have links that Payo can put in the live comments that will help you with anything that you're struggling with today. Now, my beautiful guest has just written a best-selling book, and this is the second in our series of shows, having a frank, open, honest, and vulnerable conversation about sexual assault. Now, Michelle is an empowered survivor and she knows the difference between being empowered and just surviving. She's done both. Michelle was a victim of six rapes and one sexual assault beginning at the age of five years old and has experienced the persecution and the challenges of her permanent painful work-related injury. She's been stalked and powerless and has lost some people close to her through domestic murder. Now Michelle helps people stop being at the mercy of their trauma and triggers and she is an advocate for change in the sexual assault culture and she set from her own experienced sexual, sexual assault in 1997 set a legal precedent around sexual assault. Her best-selling book, Insight, Up Close and Personal Profile of Sexual Assault, will help communities to better identify to the trauma of sexual assault. Now, I have to mention today that currently in Australia, for our American and worldwide listeners, there has been a real rise in the women of Australia saying enough is enough. We have marched on Parliament and at the moment we are waiting, uh, shall we say, an engaged response from our Prime Minister. I know for one that many of the women that I talk to are not willing to let this go this time. We need change for our daughters, granddaughters and great-granddaughters and this time we want to make it happen. So good afternoon Michelle. Hi Tony, how are you? I'm good. We're a little bit soggy and wet and that's the <laughs> I said we're, we're a little bit soggy and wet because, yeah. you know, Australia drought one minute and flooding rain the next. Yeah. <laughs> but otherwise, we're really good. Yeah. Um, uh, listen, last... Yeah, sorry, you keep going. Last week, we told the audience about your powerful story and what you're uh, now working on and what you hope to achieve in the future. And this week, we wanted to tackle the difficult topic of childhood sexual abuse. Now, Michelle knows firsthand how that plays out in the lives of children. And we thought that we'd start right there and talk to you about Michelle's experience, what it looks like and how it played out in her life so that people can get a glimpse into the type of trauma that these crimes commit. 
Yeah. Yeah, Tony, you know, the interesting thing is that a young boy got onto Facebook from a, a school here in Brisbane and he talked about how men should, his friends, how the boys in his school, other boys, men should step up and uh, be more respectful of women. And he asked some questions, you know, how can it be that still today this is still happening and why is it still happening? And, you know, the answer to that is really very simple. It's not well understood. And so when we talk about sexual assault on children, it becomes quite difficult because you've got several things going on. And one of them is that um, children don't understand what's actually happening to them, right? So they don't have any context with which to be able to make sense of anything. So right through life, we learn things. We learn a lot from our parents and we learn a lot from our experiences, but let's face it, stubbing our toe or you know, going to school and beginning to read or a whole range of things are very different to the topic that we're talking about. And sexual assault can begin in the crib. Depending on the predator, it can begin with newborn children who will have who will have an experience that they are not able to understand and it will remain stored in their body and it will come back and it will later affect them in their life but it will also as we spoke last week um, make them more vulnerable to other predators right and so the thing about it is that we can very easily, um, you know, say to someone, or, you know, if anyone touches my kid or if anyone touches you, but what does that actually mean to a child? We have to really think about it in terms of the children. And, you know, when I gave birth to my daughter, I was incredibly grateful for my history. And I was grateful for it because I had actually bothered to, to, to learn about it and study it and pull it apart and analyze it. And I'd found answers. And it meant that I could raise my daughter knowing that I can't stop her from being sexually assaulted, but I can give her language, forms of communication and dialogue to be able to um, tell me if something happens. But also I can educate her about the fact that, that, that these people exist. And the key to it is really doing that without bringing emotion into it. Because when we bring emotion into something, we're, we're determining whether it's good or bad. And we don't want um, children learning something that it's, it's bad. So when it happens to them, they're bad. We want them to understand that this is not about them. This is about somebody else who's got a problem and it will make us feel bad inside. However, we're not bad, right? So it's really important when you think about um, children and sexual assault to, to realize that it's, it's right from the beginning when they're born and they pick up on what we think and we say and we do. So whatever we think and we believe, they're going to as well. So we need to really ask ourselves, with the um, statistics that we have, and Tony, you've got some here that, you know, it's actually really tragic that, that, that you've, you've pulled up. I'm just gonna put my glasses on and just, just review this because I think it's really very sad when you think about it. One billion children, one billion children aged two to 17 have experienced either physical, sexual or emotional violence or neglect in the past. 
that's too many children. So whatever we're doing right now, it's not right and it's not enough, right? So that's a lot. That's terrible. So one in four girls and one in 13 boys in the US, that's, that's terrible. Here in Australia, it's something like one in five girls and one in 15 boys. The statistics vary depending on which site you're on. However, it's a problem. And in my book, I go into, to, you know, to this um, because we've got a different, we've got a different name for people who rape children to what we have for other people. And so we can, we call them sexual this or that or the other, but a lot of the time we call them sexual perpetrators. Now, a perpetrator suggests somebody who's done something wrong. <laughs> what we need to understand is that these people hunt. They are predators. We need to start, and I call them sexual predators for a very particular reason. And so, you, you know, you have to think to yourself, this person is hunting a vulnerable child. That vulnerability can equate to something whereby they have access. That vulnerability can relate to something whereby, um, whereby they, um, you know, are sort of alone somewhere in a playground and the parents are distracted. That vulnerability can be a whole range of things, right? So also at the same time, children are getting exposed sometimes to domestic violence or, and domestic rape in the home. Uh, or physical, you know, physical, verbal, they're getting exposed to these things. And, you know, you get, you get kids who will then be fragile or vulnerable because they retract into themselves because they're trying to make sense of what's going on in the home. They're a predator's dream. You know, you've got to think about, when you think about protecting your child or educating your child, you need to look at it from the other side. Who's the person that's hunting your child? That's really hard to swallow, right? Now, I know who was hunting my children. And um, even then, one kind of slipped in. He never got near my kids because of the things that I put into place. He never got access to them on that level. Um, but they are there and they're looking for your children. They're looking for my children. They're looking for everyone's children. And they could be the person you're married to. They could be the person that was your father who never touched you. They could be your uncle that never touched you. They could be your, your husband's mother, father, brother, sister, or relative, right? Mm -hmm. They are anywhere and everywhere. So that's a really big pull to start trying to sift out, well, how do we manage something like that, right? That, that's huge. And, and the simple answer is that we need to be more aware of what a sexual predator actually is. So I talked last week very openly, and I talk about it in my book, about the fact that the person who first sex, well, the first memory I have of being sexual assaulted at the age of five was from an extended relative and came into my world, not regularly every week, but reasonably often. And in the book, I do talk about how one of my other cousins, you know, who was being ushered to go outside because he was out there looking after the kids, go and play. And when she looked out the same window as her mother, 
she saw something that her mother didn't see. She didn't see a growing man with, with a child on his knee, tickling him and having his hands on his legs and having his hands different places. But my cousin did. She saw something very different to her mother, right? Because would you send your child outside if you'd seen what my cousin had seen? No. So she hid under the sofa for the most of the day to stay away because she just felt that, oh my goodness, you know, what's, what, what is that? And when I um, began to write this book, I was contacted by a different family member and they were telling me that um, the, somebody else who he had assaulted many, many years later and um, who actually told someone quite accidentally um, about him and he was taken to court and that there was some sort of um, scrapbook being made. And so I sort of reached out to a few people within the family to see if I could get a copy of the scrapbook. And, you know, I spoke to so many people and you know what they say? You know, I can't believe he did that. You know, I can't, I still can't because I loved him so much. And I've spoken to family members who have said to me, you know what? I love that man. I worship the ground that he walked on and he did it to me. And he said, I, and she said, because he crossed gender, <laughs> um, that they just couldn't, they, they, they knew that he'd done it to them, but they couldn't make sense of it because they loved him so much. And so they are extremely um, loved people. They are extremely charismatic. You know, this is something that they have to be to get away with what they do. And so this is what they are. And so for a parent to go up against their family uh, um, to say, this person that everybody loves is doing these things, that's really hard even for them to figure out that that's happening. So we're not always looking out or on the lookout for signs. What we are is we see that everybody else likes people, so we kind of, we kind of do growing up and we continue that on. Yeah, so Tony, I can't hear you. I'm not sure what's going on, um, but I'll just keep going, right? Yeah, so it's really, it's really quite important that as, as parents or prospective parents, that we are aware that they are everywhere and that they're going to be telling our children that people shouldn't touch them certain places. They're going to be using our language. They're going to be doing what we do because they want to build that trust. And um, we were having a conversation during the week, Tony, about how you did that very thing in the car. So you were sharing. How yes, I'm hoping you can hear me now. Yes, we can. Yes, yeah. So it's good to share this with, with so the people. So we, um, absolutely. So I was brought up with a certain amount of stranger danger discussion, not in depth and not around language that made much sense to me. And I vowed that I would have better conversations with my children. However, we lived with a sexual predator and I was about to marry a sexual predator 
and unbeknownst to me, he still got to my daughter. And we had had those conversations. And the conversation that Michelle makes reference to is the one where I had the kids in the car. They would have been uh, 11 and 9 perhaps. And I had a talk about the right of their body to not allow people to touch it in a way that made them feel uncomfortable. And I thought that that was enough. But I'm telling you, it's not. And here's the discussion that Michelle and I had during the week. We need to have the language. And I'm going to hand back over to Michelle because she is an expert in talking about the language that we use to teach and educate our children. Yeah. So we do need to, to, tell, to tell children. I, I, I said to mine, you know, if mummy does something that makes you feel uncomfortable, you must tell me or daddy or granny or somebody because you, you, you know whether or not you feel comfortable and okay inside. If you're not sure, that's something that you need to talk to someone about. It's not saying that I'm bad. It's helping you make sense of it. So yeah. if daddy does something, if someone else does something, it's not saying they're bad. It's saying that you're not okay or comfortable with it. Now, I remember we were living mm. in Darwin and I was basically a single mum because my husband worked away. And yeah, I, I, we talked about this too, Tony. Women who don't have a man around a lot yes. are certainly someone that sexual predators, pedophiles prey on. Because of the Absolutely. secondary gain that we have, and I'll circle back to that in a moment, but I went to this doctor's surgery and um, there was a doctor there. He was lovely. Everyone thought he was great. I, I went, I took my kids. He had lots of pictures up on the wall of children sitting on his knee and he's got his arms wrapped around them and, you know, they're laughing and he's laughing and he had the little finger lollies on the counter. And I remember him saying to my children, oh, come sit on my knee. And I said, no, they'll sit here on the chair because that's the appropriate thing to do. I keep trying to turn this down. Anyway, so he, um, he kept asking and I kept saying no and he kept offering them lollies and I kept saying, no, we don't take lollies from people that aren't mum and dad. And I thanked him very nicely, but he kept it up and he became more and more insistent. And so I said to him, and I said this in a very calm and polite way, I said, I, I can appreciate that, you know, you want the children to feel comfortable here in the surgery, you know, uh, but what you're doing is behavior of someone who's pedophile. And um, my children do not sit on people's knees because it is not okay to sit on people's knees. They sit on the chair because that's safe. And I'm teaching my children to be safe. They do not take lollies from people. If I want them to have lollies, I will buy them inside the supermarket and then we take them home and we have them. I said, my children do not take lollies out of containers. It doesn't matter who's offering them. Yeah. And he said no more. And I left and I had been looking at this growing wall of pictures and mm -hmm. where he hands on their legs and, you know, just different things that I didn't like. So I rang the police and I said, okay, there may be nothing in this. However, I want you to be aware in case somebody else rings. Yeah. They can actually build 
a list of people. And I think this is one of the things that we really need to be aware of is yes. what's the relationship that other people are trying to create with us and our children? And is it a relationship that is saying that this person is allowed to touch my child's legs? And you might mm. think, oh, that's nothing. Well, actually it is. <laughs> it is something. Yes. Because if you think it's okay because for of people to manage children in a certain way, when someone is doing things inappropriate, you will not see it. Yeah. Because you will block it out. So we have this way of processing information because we have so much coming towards us. It's a little bit of basic psych here. And yes. for things that fall within our scope of conscious thinking, it goes into our unconscious. But where it's something that we haven't sort of got a plan, a strategy or a way of thinking, or it's different to the way of thinking that we have, we delete it or distort it or generalize it. So the meaning yes. is lost, right? So we actually do that on an unconscious level. We're not aware we're doing it. And so the meaning is lost. So this, this is really important to understand because you need to think consciously and have a plan. On my website, I have plans about what to yes. do. I also advocate, have a plan about what is and isn't going to be an acceptable message that you're telling your children. Every time you see someone interact with your child and you don't respond, you're telling them it is okay for someone to do this to me. Yes. So think about that. And is that something that you think they should think anyone can do to them? Or do you need to yeah. say, mum can do that, no one else. Or, yes. Uh, you know so, what I mean? Michelle, you're talking about things of quite a personal nature. So so simple things like taking a child to the toilet. What should only be done by mum or dad in the first instance? Instance. And, and I told my children, if I ever touch you in a way that makes you uncomfortable, you must tell someone, either gran or dad or me, so I yes. always I never made it that they that they couldn't question what I did. Yes. Because if I do that, um, and I'll share a story with you that is really scary. If I do that, then I set them up to not to communicate someone that they think mm -hmm. is safe. So we moved into a little place called Gladstone here in, in um, Queensland. And yeah. I ran a police check to see if there were any registered sex offenders. That's the best that I can do. And there were none yes. in my area. So the, the neighboring suburb, which was literally across the train station, <laughs> train rails, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, a week after we moved in and I'm driving to the supermarket, I hear on the radio this grandmother had been arrested for kidnapping her, her grandchildren after school and, and kidnapping them and locking them up so that her, her new oh. partner could have access to them. Oh, my goodness. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. So, you see, if, I, if I'm saying it's all right for Gran to do something or someone else to do something, then yes. I'm giving them the wrong message. If I'm saying you know how you feel inside, if you don't feel comfortable inside about something, don't do it. And this is yeah. what you do. Give them options. Go and tell somebody. You know, so if someone's not acting properly, they're acting a bit strange, they don't sound right, tell don't do someone because you've trusted them before. Reach Michelle, out. We, 
we talked about this um, in generic terms, but uh, I think I want to just clarify for the audience that this is teaching your children about their instinct or their gut feeling because it's always right. That's exactly right. And that feeling as a child absolutely will protect them, won't it, Michelle? It will. It will go a long way. So our, our, there's our conscious mind and then yes. there's our unconscious mind and then there's our intuition, that little voice. Yes. We call it our higher yes. mind. And then we have yes. our instinct. And our instinct yes. and our intuition are not um, impaired by the um, unhelpful beliefs and decisions that we file away in our unconscious mind that drive our everyday conscious thinking, right? So your instinct is a way, it's consciously aware and picking up on things that your conscious mind is not processing. So if if your children feel something, then it's important that they feel confident that they can act on it. Yes. The other thing... is that it's got to be on their, how they feel, not on on us and what we think. So I made it really clear to my kids all along. I'm I'm not infallible. I might miss something you pick up on. You know what's right inside, right? But I also said about teaching them what sexual predators are. And when I didn't, I didn't talk about sex. Especially when they were toddlers, yes. right? I didn't talk about. Yeah, you that. don't need to because they no, don't, don't understand. That's right. That there are people out there who have had difficulties and who do things that hurt other people. They get that. They understand that. Yes, it's simple. And if they do something to hurt you, you need to tell me, so mm. that I can help the sadness that you feel inside. And so mm. that I can, that you can be happy because if you don't tell me, you'll just put it like you'll bury it in the garden, you know, like dogs yeah. bury their bones and then yeah. it will come later and then it will really upset you. And that might make it worse when you get older. And we don't want that, do we? No. And they'll tell you no. Yeah. So, so you want to be happy. You tell mummy what happens and then mummy can explain it to you. And if it's a bad yeah. person, then mummy can help you with that too, right? Because, yeah. if, because you know, we may yeah. not be able to protect them, but we may then be able to step in to help them. Very important. Or lessen and the impact. It lessens the impact, but also when we're doing this discussion, leaving aside all um, emotion, I just spoke about it like it was simple. Like, do you want spaghetti bolognese or lasagna for dinner? Keep it simple because for them, it's 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 got they're learning something new and it needs to be simple, right? Mm. And you know, if people say, "Oh, anyone touch you? You just tell me, and I'll have them." Right? Whoa! What what are you actually communicating in that? Well, first of all, it's all about you, and you better not get this wrong. Um, if they touch you, I'm going to have them. You don't want dad yeah. or mum or someone to get in trouble. And that's a great, yeah. it's a great manipulative tool that they use. Um, yeah. Is 
if you go and tell anyone, you'll get into trouble and so will your parents, right? Yeah. So it is a manipulative tool. You need to look at, at how you can give it to them simply and privately. So my children yes. were never allowed to question me in public, right? If they came and they asked me, can I stay over at someone's house? And I said, oh, today that doesn't suit. We'll think about it another time. They knew right from word go not to question because I explained to them there might be things that I know that they don't yes. know. And I don't want to say it out loud, but I want to keep them safe. And so I'll tell them when we get home. And I always told them and gave them something in a context that was age appropriate. That way they trusted my judgment. And they knew that they yeah. would get learning from it, the understanding from it. And so yeah. if I said something, they knew, oh, okay, mum knows something. And this is about me being safe, right? And they didn't yeah carry on and carry on because they knew but I told them right from little right so that when when they got to that age where they might pester they knew not to and they knew why so yeah. it's a big responsibility that we have in raising our children and we, we certainly need, do we need to really step up to this one because you know you've got to think about this do you want to find your daughter with a car wrapped around a tree high as a kite do you want to find your son with a needle hanging out of his arm you know what is it that you want to prevent now for your child because these are those are just two examples of, of an outcome right sadly there's a whole lot there's there lot. is yeah there's a lot and um and things that seem to be tame that aren't you know some people yeah themselves other people go and get someone to do it for them they they yeah. you know what I mean it might be um that they go and get tattoos or they they'll go and find something where they can have pain inflicted upon them to try and you know there's a number of get things rid of the pain that they're feeling yeah deal with that and 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 punish themselves and you know there's a whole range of psychosis with that or psychology that yes. goes with it, right Which, yeah uh, yeah so we want to actually be two things the educator for our children and we if we're not a sexual predator we want to be that person they come to that they can reach definitely out so that we can actually give them the help that they might the need help yeah now i mentioned last week uh, about a couple that um, were on a site that I was on helping people and yes. their children had been um, assaulted by what I recall, refer to in my um, book as the classic predator. The classic yes. predator is someone that is a stranger. You do not know them. And this chap came in through the roof. And they just didn't know what to do. And they're like, oh, we hope that they will forget. And I'm like, you can never ask someone who's experienced this to forget. And I said it in my speech last week when I did my official launch. Yes. I tell you now, you leave your children absolutely mentally vulnerable in such a terrible way and a scary way that when it comes back, and it always comes back, I've never met anyone where it always. 
always. Mm. Um, it comes back to get you when you're not expecting it. And if you don't know why or what it is, if you don't know where it's come from and you're experiencing something that makes no sense to you, then you know what? That's horrific. And the yeah. fear that is associated with that, it's heart stopping. You hold yes. your breath, you can't breathe, right? And then what do you yes. do with that? So you're at work, you run into the toilet. You don't know why you are suddenly feeling ill. The world is spinning. You're having an anxiety attack. You go to the doctor, he gives you some tablets. It still keeps happening. But hey, you know, I've got anxiety, so I'm taking the tablets. So it's okay now because someone's yeah. rubber stamped it. No, it's not actually. But also, we don't want that. We what we know we want our children to have the resources and the resilience to be able Correct. to say, okay, I was assaulted, this happened, and this is probably where it's coming from. Oh, mum, it's happening again. I'm just going to, you know, reach out. I'm just going to reach out and find someone that can help me to un sort of, you know, look at this little bit that's going on, right? So yeah. that it's not something that they don't know. And then it, the memories start to come back, you know, and it's like, you think, oh my God, he's bury it deeper, bury it deeper. <laughs> a lot of people just yes. really bury it deeper. And when it comes back the next time, it's even worse. And they look at their life and they're like, oh, a lady who was 83 years of age came to sit in the audience when I spoke last week. And yeah. she met me afterwards and she said to me um, that she'd been assaulted when she was a child and she's now 83 and financially well off however yeah. she said, I look back at my life and I see that that event destroyed my life the misery and the Thank pain you. and the suffering and what I've missed out on in my life in terms of connections and relationships she said it destroyed my life all from that one event and I never realized it was happening. I didn't see it until I sat down recently and looked back and realized where it came from yeah. and what it's done and what that's meant for me and my family and, and everything. So, you know, it, please don't ever hope that your children will forget because you're just setting or them get up. get over it. Well, it's you never get over it. So, no. you know, we, 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 we might fall over and we might get a little graze on our knee and we put a bit of detail in a band-aid and it heals. This is where I sometimes have a bit of an issue about the word healing. <laughs> yeah. Because we never heal. How can we yes. heal? The only thing we can do is evolve. That's a healing mm. process and that it's an empowerment process. And that's why I use the language that I use when I'm speaking. Yes. I try to get people to understand that we can never, ever, you know, you, you get a graze or a cut, you put your band-aid on, you never see it. It's, it's not there anymore. No, yeah. this will never be the case. You will always have a memory in your body, I do, of each and every assault yeah. that I've before. And yes. when you think about it, you know, that's understandable given what's happened. So the best that you can do is evolve, is take that experience, make it work for you, make it work for your children help them yes right so you know if you if you're not sort of being proactive then 
the children are going to put up walls. They're going to resent you. You're not going to have this nice relationship with your children. And that's really sad too, you know, because um, my walls are up so high, I couldn't even get through them for a long time. But I lost connection with my family. And that was really sad. You know, I think about that and I think, well, that's that's sad that, you know, that it co- that's what the cost was. So mm. you, parents, you know, if, if, if something's happened to your child, firstly, take a deep breath. Ask yourself, yes. am, I, am I equipped to actually deal with this? And unless you've got a history and you've resolved it and you're like in a place where I'm at, mm. or you've got extensive training, Um, then I would say that you are not in a position to be able to help your child. And even myself, I actually um, got coaches for my children, specific ones, things. And a lot of people that are in sort of the social work area would get somebody else because you've got to be mum and dad. And mum and dad's role in this is to have hugs, is to say, I love you, is to say that whatever has happened, babe, we're going to make it okay, right? Yeah. You you can come and talk to us anytime. Please, I beg you, do not ever say to them, it's all right, you'll forget about it soon. Or, oh, it's okay, look, you know, you'll be all right. Please don't say that. It's in the past. Leave it in the past. you know those words are not helpful and they it will never be in the past because it's now and it's now part of your life story depending on how those around you and you yourself as a child understand that part of your life story will determine how that life story Mm. moves forward continues yeah yes yes you know so here's, an, here's a story. This is a sad story. So grab a tissue. I was speaking with a friend, a fellow coach, who works in a similar area because I also work in domestic violence, which you find a lot of sexual assault in. And um, her, her, her friend, um, a lady she knows, daughter, was assaulted. She's in her early teens. And mm. she was starving herself so anorexia um taking you know bulimia and just a whole range of different things sneaking alcohol you know all these sort of things that she was doing and mum had had it to the psychologist and the psychiatrist and that had her in the hospital and then she's on these drugs and and it was continuing and it was just like a revolving door and my friend said, take it. I know someone who can actually really help your daughter um, who's been through this at your daughter's age and who can help and gave her my number. And um, she, she didn't ever reach out. So my friend, another time when she caught up with her, said, oh, did you ever reach out to that lady? And she said, no, I can get treatment for free this way. So right. it's been on, I don't know how many, they'd been trying different pills for depression and anxiety to try and make all this behaviour stop. Um, yeah. It was 
months ago she was back in hospital being force fed. So, <laughs> um, why? I, this is another thing you've got to look at this and say this mother probably really loves her daughter and doesn't realize that um, redrawing on her mortgage might save her daughter's life, but she would never think that because she's been raised to think that you just get over the problem and you shouldn't. Mm. We take our car and yeah. get service, right? We yes. pay quite a lot of money yeah. to keep our car on the road, but we don't keep a lot of money to keep ourselves on the road. And it's our brain that drives That's us right. everything that we experience. So, you know, really look at um, when you've got to make that decision as a parent, what is the outcome? And, and I spoke about this in my speech as well. If someone's making a referral, because we always usually end up at the GP, right? Um, yes. If someone's making a referral, ask them, what's the outcome going to be for that? What's that person going mm. to offer? If someone steps up and they say, oh, okay, take these pills, see how that goes. Really? See how that goes? Mm. Well, no, I don't want to take your pills. I want, if I'm going to take pills, I want to take pills that you can tell me what I can expect each and every day, each week, and when I will be off them and I'll be feeling better. If you yeah. ask them that, say that will never happen. And that's the truth, right? Mm. But we need to be questioning. If we're going to our counsellor, and I know women that are exhausted, I know men that are exhausted from this, and it's just a yes. And regurgitation of their pain. I understand the concept around loosening the grip and helping people see something from a different perspective and expanding our um, mm. map of the world. And that is very important. Yes. However, when you ask a child <laughs> or someone that's an adult that was assaulted as a child, so you're asking yes. that, child, that, that, that person who is that child really, to expand their map of the world and they've got no resources uh, to do that, that's not a possibility for them. So we really have no. to really look at what, what are the options that I might like to go down? I mean, I'm one option, but, you know, you might find a different option. That, but always monitor. Yes. Monitor. Before you, before you start, before they start. Okay, so here's the difficulty what's the plan have a structure have a plan yes. forward have strategies one of the biggest things that people who have been sexually assaulted need is a strategy that is not an abusive one right yes so we need a, a new strategy and always and i think i might have mentioned this last week the strategy of think act observe the outcome how do I feel about that? Okay, I'll tweak that response for next time. Is yeah. a process by which we can have more better, more structured sort of outcomes that because yes. we're not coming from emotion. But when, when you're faced with a child who is very angry and who's hurting themselves and yes. who's not speaking to you because you've said things like it'll get better and it hasn't and you just need to move on and... <laughs> Let me assure you yeah. now, um, you cannot do this on willpower alone. No, you need to help, don't you, Michelle? Yeah, I did that for years. And where did I end up? 
you know, um, <laughs> because because we're fighting our own selves. Yes, we are fighting. And we use that willpower scenario as a way of blaming ourselves for being a failure. <laughs> you know, and that's another cycle. So really think about it when you're sending a child off for some sort of therapy or, or something like that. I want to I want to know the outcome. I want to know the history around this this plan. I want to know. Okay, so you've worked with how many children and how many of them? How long did it take to, before they didn't need you anymore? Yeah. Before they were part of your projected income on your income and balance sheet, right? We need to be holding this our counsellors and, and everyone accountable. Absolutely. We can get off. I got off. Yes. Right. Yes. There, there's got to be a point where you can get off <laughs> and you're yeah. free because now you've and got... That should be the purpose. That, yeah. that should be the purpose from the very beginning is that you will no longer need therapy to cope. You may need top-ups from time to time, but you won't need that intensive level of counselling and therapy that you need right at the beginning. For years or whatever. I will say here, though, I do know someone who is in the mental health profession herself, and so is her family, very intelligent people, and um, she yeah. was assaulted by dad. And she said to me, mm. I could not live without my antidepressants. They get me through the day, right? So that might be the case. If someone does need their pill, but they may need something else as well. And so yeah. you've really got to look at it and you've really got to be able to say, okay, because there can be a lot of other things going on. Yeah. And so as a child, I began to, compartmentalize bits of me i was broken up yes. into bits. my personality was fractured yes. right and yes. in the book i talk about this test that i did where they thought maybe i had personality disorder <laughs> for this job i was applying for and i had to do this um psych evaluation so Gosh, i've yes. never lost time however um i was different people depending on where i was like a chameleon. Oh, be, right. I began that as a child, right? Okay. And that, so I had this fractured personality. So mm. there's a lot of things that can happen if we don't step up and actually look at um, being helpful in the right way. And if that child yes. says, this is not helping, find something else. Don't just accept or go back to the same old, same old. You know, because you're setting yourself up for a lot of heartache and them too. Yeah. Right? So, yeah. so coming back to this whole thing, you know, I talk a lot in my book about um, identifying predators, seeing them. Yes. Knowing what they look yes. like. Right? Trust your children. If they don't feel comfortable around someone, then... Don't you know, let them near them. Don't go anywhere near them. Look at yourself and understand something. They will buy into your secondary and third gains. Secondary and third gains mm. are things that we get that we find really difficult to let go of. So mm. we might find ourselves in a situation that's not the best, but we make do because yeah. there's other things going on that we feel we must have to, to survive. So it's a real base level, you know, thing often, especially for single mums, is an income Yeah. Product right yeah yeah 
emotional support person. And these are yeah. things that we may, unaware to ourselves consciously, hold on yeah. to and may not be picking up on things that we should be seeing, different things that we should be thinking, mm, hang on a minute. That's For a example, bit. You know, if you're a single mum and you've got a partner and, you know, he's trying to bond with your child and have one-on-one -on -one time, uh, no. You know, no. Yeah. can't tell you how many people I've spoken to and a lady, it's, it's the references in my book, Michelle Stevens. She yes. was in this very situation. He took her for bonding time. He caged her over a weekend. He beat her. He did a number of things. He, he literally left her in a state of fear and confusion. He broke her down and built her back up that she would never speak up. And she never did. Yeah. And yeah. once she was past the golden age, he pimped her out to other pedophiles. And once she got past the age where pedophiles were interested, he pimped her out to men wanting to pay for sex. Oh, because, you know... You know, they 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 want it. <laughs> I don't think she ever made a decision about that herself. So, you know, we really help. Yes. Before we run out of time, I, the yes. one thing that I wanted to discuss is this um, wording around grooming and what that looks like. Because for these crimes to happen the perpetrator often has to go through a process of grooming. So I'm wondering if you could just quickly tell the parents listening, when we talk about grooming, what do we mean? Yeah, so I gave examples where this extended relative, people loved him, the children he assaulted loved him because he was mm -hmm. always a very generous person and he was very supportive and he was always interactive and he was always out there with the kids. He was always yeah. interested in listening to what they told him. He always remembered and he, he would always say, oh, you know, how did you go with that or the other thing? You know, mm -hmm. he was always cheerful. This is the thing yes. that people remember, right? Mm -hmm. They're going to groom you, parents. You're going to be yes, groomed. they are. Okay, mm -hmm. so the, the wool is going to be, you're going to be groomed first. And that example yeah. that I just with with that other author because first of all they're going to give you something you want and need that they've yes. figured out and that you are then going to want to hold on to so that then your guard is down and then they begin yes. the relationship and the grooming with your children the child right the child so the handyman in my book he bought my daughter that jewelry well Yes. She bought expensive jewellery. She didn't really care. There's a lot of girls who are 14 mm. years of age that would think that was very special. Right. Yes. Um, and, you know, so it meant, it meant nothing to her, but it might have meant something to, to a different girl. And then that yeah. girl, that gift, and being told she's special. And in a world where our grades are looked at, are we bullied, yes. you know, Everything's rush, 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 rush. Um, and there's no one to, to listen. Someone who takes the time to think that we're special is somebody that sense. we appreciate. And that is a way in for them. So they're going to look for parents who are very busy, you know, yes. or, or 
own. They got, you know, they're going to look for these sort of vulnerabilities in us, the parents, and how yes. they happen and when our our um when us over when when us on our vulnerabilities. Yes. So if anyone's yes. being particularly supportive or nice or or whatever, the minute we feeling that we really value that, look at it and think again. What is it about that situation that I value or that's important to me? And is that safe for my child? It's yeah. really hard because uh, it's, it's, it, if you've not ever thought about it like that, um, yeah. you know, it can be quite confronting. But we are the gateway to our children. And then, of course, the teachers, the policemen, the ambulance drivers, they are um, the school chaplain, Everyone. they are school counsellor go to the council and talk to the council no we have to go too we need to be going into yeah. school and being seen we need to be there all the time so that so that we're saying hang on our child is, is someone special important right? yeah and be getting to know our team I knew all of my children's teachers whether they were women or men and I had dialogue with them regularly because it was important that they knew that I was watching, that, not necessarily that yeah. they, they were going to assault my children, well, but that do anything for my children. Yeah. 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 You know, it's important that Michelle, you look at. Yeah. Michelle, thank you. We are out of time again this week. Um, thank you for your expertise and explanation. For anyone who wants to ask Michelle any questions about any of this important topic, about how to talk to your kids, grooming, um, how to protect your kids, please connect with Michelle. For those listening online, we've got the um, links to Michelle's sites. We've also got links to help for anyone who needs help around this subject. And in particular, can I just point out that Michelle um, does really specialised help in this area through her Angel Insight um, coaching. Um, and just remember that you can do lots of things to protect your children. You can teach them lots of things. So a way that you can ensure that they have a safe and healthy safe and healthy life rather and don't succumb to some of the statistical um, things that happen to ch children that have been abused. We will be back next week with Michelle for another episode of Making Sense of Sexual Assault. Uh, thank you very much for listening. Michelle, thank you for joining us tonight. We'll be back next week with Insight. Bye for now. Bye, everyone.